0: Is she regretting that decision? (laughs) The marriage? Probably. (laughs) Bubble Cat is on the move. Bubble, Bubble Cat. He tumbles.
1: He flips. And boom!
0: Stupid Stats brought to you by
2: BYU Sports Nation. No time for Dennis. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off... Here's the double coverage interview of the week. Joining us now
0: on the desert first credit union hotline via zoom is the last BYU quarterback to be drafted into the NFL, a second rounder to the Miami dolphins, John Beck, John, we've been hearing about these summer training sessions uh, that you've had with Zach Wilson ad nauseum. What in the world did you teach him down there that is translating to the field now?
3: You know, it is crazy how many times it comes up. Uh, when I watch the games, I mean, really, it's a culmination of years of training. I had an opportunity to meet Zach right after spring ball his freshman year. Um, And really what it is, it's just all these years stacked on top of each other. And it's him building, growing, developing, going back and doing spring ball, then coming back out here, then going back and doing summer workouts and coming back out here. So it's not anything like some magic potion or anything like that. It's really just been hard work, dedication. And then continually building on top of where he's at and then utilizing all of his tools. Zach comes with so many tools. It's really about tying them all together. Um, The great thing has been the continuity. He's been able to have at BYU because the system hasn't changed. The coaches haven't changed what they've been asking him to do in the offense has remained the same the whole time. So now it's, we can elevate Zach and then get him to perform in the offense, utilizing everything that makes Zach special. And that's really what it's been. It's just been a continuation and constantly working on those things.
1: I want to point out that the legs behind you are some notable legs, right? That's what Drew Brees and Tom Brady's legs behind they you. Are... Yeah. Do you know these legs? Ooh, the... wait, I, I see Tom Brady to your right, our left, right? Yeah. That's...
3: Yeah. That's Tom. Then, I'm trying to Drew... think. I'm This is our office space, but I was told to not move the camera. Otherwise it gets bad, but yeah, this is our office space. So, a lot of our starters, so like Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, we throw them up on the wall. So maybe one day there'll be a big Zach Wilson up here on our wall.
1: <laughs> hey, maybe. And, and tell people a little bit about what you're involved in because I, I believe you're still under the kind of the Tom House umbrella of coaches, right? Tom House, this arm guru. It's been pitching. It's been football. He was featured in, uh, I think, it, what was it called? Million Dollar Arm with the, the two cricket players brought over um, in in that, in that Disney movie. He's, he's a guy that uh, has coached a lot of notable people, as you're talking about.
3: Yeah, so I met Tom through Drew Brees. I'd been training with Drew for years. Um, Drew had been working with Tom for years. Um, I got connected with Tom, but it was at a time when, you know, I really didn't get to play anymore in the NFL. And Tom just said, hey, look, uh, I'm getting more and more phone calls of NFL quarterbacks wanting to see what it is that Drew Brees has been doing, but I need somebody that knows football. I need somebody that can help me. So he basically just said, I'll make you a deal. I'll teach you everything I know about throwing if you bring everything you know about quarterbacking, and let's form this group. So it was me, Tom, and one other guy named Adam Dato. We formed 3DQB back in uh, 2013. And uh, Tom is, Tom's not in the day-to-day anymore, a um, little too old. He's also dealing with Parkinson's. So me and Adam run the company day-to-day. Tom still pops in here and there when some of our big-time clients show up. But uh, yeah, it's been a huge blessing in my life to be able to stay around football, especially the quarterback position. I've been able to work with a lot of guys, train a lot of top draft picks. I love working with the NFL guys. You know, on Sundays, my job is to watch football. And on Mondays, my job is to watch the coaches' tape of all the quarterbacks that we train. And on Tuesdays, I'm on phone calls with quarterbacks, dealing with all the stuff they're going through. Things they're trying to improve on. A lot of the mental aspects of their game that they have to deal with as an NFL quarterback. And it's the same with the college guys. So... You know, I mean, I can't complain. I literally just get to do quarterbacking, think quarterbacking, and watch quarterbacks every day, so I love it.
0: He is the Monday morning quarterback, and don't anybody argue about it. John Beck is with us on BYU Sports Nation. John, walk me through the demeanor that you have when you are watching Zach Wilson specifically and a BYU football game. What is your mentality like? What are you doing? Is it copious note-taking? What's happening? What's happening?
3: No, not notes. There's a lot of rewinding, um, because TV copies are a little bit difficult to see exactly what's going on from the routes and the concepts. You know, I've been able to spend so much time with Zach. A lot of the plays that he runs, um, we've repped them out here on the field. Um, a lot of his footwork tie into certain things. So a lot of the times I I watch the play happen. I watch the end result, and then I want to just rewind it. Um, you know, uh, really it's, it's the following days when I can see actual game copies of what's going on a little bit, see more of the full field, what he's doing. And, um, you know, I, I really kind of try to stay, stay out of his hair. I mean, every once in a while we have just like a little like text back and forth, like, Hey man, I thought you played great. I thought this was really nice. You know, sometimes I will ask like, Hey, just kind of tell me what you were thinking on that one. You did such a good job there. I want to know your thought process, but that's it. I really just try to let the coaches coach. I mean, I don't get into reads ever with him. We never talk reads on this field. That's that's Aaron. That's Coach Grimes. That's what they do. You know, the work that we do. It's all about getting in a position to perform really well. So, I mean, these last three games, I've just walked away every game feeling like, man, Zach is just doing so many things right right now. Like he just looks in command of the offense, in control of his feet. His eyes are going in good like directions. Like he just looks like a seasoned veteran guy that's getting to run an offense that he knows so well and somebody that's just uh, really got his body doing the right things from a timing and footwork standpoint.
1: What did you have to uh, maybe work with him on the most when he started to come to you a couple years ago versus now? Okay. So athletic quarterbacks, guys that are twitchy that also have used their
3: athleticism a lot in the level before. So I say the level before, because sometimes we get NFL guys where the level before was college, but in Zach's case, it was high school. So Really athletic kids in high school can tend to eat up a lot of space in the pocket, but there's usually more space in high school than there is in college. They can get away with some of the mistakes that their feet may make because of their athleticism. and You saw this Zach's freshman year a couple times during his sophomore year where sometimes his athleticism would take him a little too far into another space or sometimes... His feet weren't always guiding him, but he relied on athleticism. So Zach was making throws a little bit tougher than they needed to be, and he was putting himself in a position that was a little bit tougher than it needed to be. So what we really tried to work on was just, hey, I want you to keep all your athleticism, but I want us to be a little bit smarter in the space that we chew up, right? Let's be smarter also in the position you put yourself in. If you avoid this, you know, tackler, if you avoid your guard being pushed back up into you in this manner – Here's how to do it while staying an efficient passer. Now, because, I mean, I've seen this so many times. These super athletic kids that can make these throws, they put themselves in too hard of a position. So it's more about overcoming and manufacturing the throw than it is about moving and sliding and still staying in a really good position to be efficient. And that's really what we've done with Zach, right? We haven't made him, like, more capable of making throws in some ways, but for the most part, Zach could do a lot of it. It's just about let's get you in the best position when you make that move.
1: He talked last week about one thing he's learned from you, uh, among many, was throwing off-platform. We've seen that in action. He's thrown several really good balls where, uh, like he's talked about learning from you, you're not going to be in a perfect footwork situation, and and so far, so good.
3: Yeah, you know, the, the throw I loved was it was the catch that Gunner made That was, I mean, it was a phenomenal catch on the one yard line, right? It was almost a touchdown where Zach kind of escaped in the pocket, spun, set his feet real quick and threw that ball, right? Like it's not uncommon for somebody that has not practiced that a lot to have the ability to make the throw, but maybe not be as accurate. So you may see them spin, flip their hips, throw that ball, and that may sail over the guy's head, right? Like it may be high and right. He may yank it to the sideline. So it's like the potential's there, but it's not refined. Like, when I see Zach make those type throws, you see that it's become refined. Like, he makes those throws all the time on our field here. We ask him to make those throws. We put him in that difficult position. So it's kind of something that really I learned from Aaron Rodgers when I was playing. I would throw with Aaron all the time, and I would see Aaron only take a few reps where it was clean and in rhythm. And then Aaron would put himself in a lot of different positions. And I actually flat up asked, like, I asked him why. And he said, Brett Favre taught me this. He just said, if you go back on tape and you watch, it's not a lot of high percentage throws you get to make where everything's clean. So I practice in a non, like in an off platform environment. So I've just tried to take all of those things to what we do. You know, Tom House, he functions from a, a pitcher's mound. So in that way back, dating back to 2013 when we started this, it's okay, quarterbacks have to function from different platforms. So it's kind of like all these things get put into Zach right? Okay, Zach, now let's have you do this all the time out here. We're not out here repping the throws that Zach can make with his receivers with no defense around. We're asking him to make those difficult throws. So when I see Zach make a throw like that in that game, I love it because I see that's all the work that that kid has put into it. To everybody else, that looks like kind of a, a, a scramble backyard type play. But what people don't know is behind the scenes, Zach has practiced that throw hundreds and hundreds of times. And that's the cool part for me when I watch these games and I watch the throws that Zach makes is I've seen that kid work through those things hundreds of times out here and now it's happening on game day. And that's what's, that's, that's what's special about it.
0: Former BYU and NFL quarterback, John Beck with us on BYU sports nation. Outstanding stuff thus far. Uh, John true or false Zach Wilson right now as a junior is better than you were at this time as a junior.
3: Oh yeah. He's better. <laughs> yeah. Zach's, Zach is at a, uh, Zach's just at a different level of, uh, understanding within his offense. He's running a system that he knows really well. He's been running it for three years. He's, he's refined so many things, uh, with his feet, with his body stuff that if you were to go to me back then, I, I, I didn't even know about these things. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> he better be better than me because crap, <laughs> I mean, I mean, with how talented he already is, you know, here's something I'll say about Zach. When I'm, I've been around him a lot. He speaks very highly of his high school coach. And I, I want to say his name, right? Coach care, I believe is his name there at corner Canyon. He really talks highly of him, of like the things that he introduced to him, the things he was asking to do, like Zach entered with such a high level of understanding of so many things. Then, you know, you got to tip your hat to also what his dad's done and the sacrifices his dad has made because his dad has done a lot of things to, to to help Zach learn these things, right? The quarterback development nowadays is so different than what it was late 90s, early 2000s of what quarterbacks, the information they can get. So, you know, the Wilson family, Zach, they've taken full advantage of it. And, uh, you know, people ask me all the time, like, about, like, my job and what are some of the cool things about my job. And, yes, it's cool to work with the high-profile guys and it's cool to work with the draft picks. But the cool part for me is I get to utilize all of my experience that I've had and help, help somebody else get it earlier in their career. All these things that I teach guys, I didn't even know about a lot of these things until I was done playing ball. Um, so to give it to them, young in their years, it actually reminds me of I played in a charity golf event with these professional skateboarders. They've been pros back in the late 90s. And when I golf with them, they just said, it's crazy nowadays because these kids nowadays, they're doing the tricks at 12 years old that we were doing as pros. And the things that now we see pros doing we didn't even, even know they existed. And I think of that always when I think about some of these things that quarterbacks are doing now and the information they're functioning off of and things that, you know, throws that we're repping Zach with out on the field now, like those were throws that like only happened when it was like, crap, man, that was a hard position to throw from back in our day. But you're not like, you weren't even thinking about, okay, my front shoulder needs to be here. My head needs to be here. My feet need to be here. My arm needs to be here. Those are all these developments that have happened recently Uh, over probably like the last six to eight years. And that's what's cool about Zach's willingness. You know, people, it's more than just a kid who's willing to drive down. It's a kid that's, you know, he recognizes the value of the information. And that's really why I have a job with the NFL guys. People ask, why does a Matt Stafford, who's one of the best throwers in the NFL, come to you guys? Why? Well, it's for those things. It's because of where your shoulder is in position in relation to your front hip, where your hand is in relation to your feet based off all these throws. It's information that back in my day, just no one was thinking that.
0: John, it's always great to have you on the show. And for the record, we think that you would have gone 3-0 against this schedule as well. So there's that.
3: <laughs> well, you know what? It's been fun to watch these Cougars play. I'm really excited for these games, these upcoming games. It's exciting to watch Zach have all the success. The kids worked his tail off for it. And, you know, when I watch the tape also, man, though the O-linemen, the receivers, like there's a lot of things going on on that offense that are really, really good right now. It's great to see.
0: John, great to catch up with you, man. Let's do it again soon.
3: Alright, sounds good. Yeah,
1: Dennis Pitta, you're up next. <laughs> no. 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 No Dennis? No Wait, Dennis. No time for Dennis. Ends? No time for Dennis. Oh. You man. know this. I'm gonna get a text right after this. Watch. <laughs> Dennis is gonna text me. No time for Dennis. <laughs> Thanks, John.
0: We'll work on that. Thanks, John. See you later. John Beck on the Desert <laughs> First Credit You didn't highlight Desert at first. You know why we show up. You how. know that I Dak like Prescott hit.
1: Well, maybe you know that, there is time for Dennis. You know that Dak Prescott hip, like, hitch thing that he warmed up with? He got that from, from John. We ran out of time. But we we're going to talk to him about that next time. Next it's time. the hip thing. It's the hip thing, man. It's, it's uh, all the rage.
2: That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All right, uh, let's get to our game notes. Brought to you by Bodyguards,
1: protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Our main goal with this segment is to enable you with knowledge, the most valuable thing that exists, so that you can be the smartest person when you watch the game tomorrow. Let's go. Number one, BYU's top five in points, points allowed, And offensive and defensive efficiency. This is how you quantify the success that BYU has had so far. It's not just a margin, but BYU is one of the best teams in the country in the stats that matter. Points, points allowed, offensive and defensive efficiency.
4: Okay, so we we mentioned that BYU was number two to Texas in terms of scoring offense. And scoring defense. Yes, yes. They are number one in total offense, however, in terms of yards per game. 585. Yards per game on offense, defense only giving up two
1: fourteen. That difference is just that's, insane, that's crazy right now. And, and again, BYU is not playing the toughest competition. Although these teams have been good recently, but the way BYU is dominating is the key. I told you weeks ago, margin matters, and look what happened. Yep. BYU is fifteenth. Okay, next. Of those with nine or more catches nationally, Gunnar Romney is first in the country with 23 yards per catch. He continues to be an excellent deep threat. He's coming up with 40, 50-yard gains consistently. He's at three straight 100-yard games. Gunnar Romney is playing at a... Elite level, and I don't use that
4: word in vain. You know that. I I do know that. All right, I am also going to stay with Gunnar Romney, your Mormon Colonies cohort. That's right. Uh, Gunnar Romney has had three straight 100-yard receiving games. The last BYU receiver to do that, to have three consecutive 100-yard receiving games, was Cody Hoffman in 2012. He
1: is, uh, Gunnar's the best BYU receiver since Mitch Matthews. And he's going to challenge Mitch potentially for best since Cody Hodgins. I think that what Gunner's doing is special. It's very special, and we've mentioned this. He came in on a mission. Didn't go on a not, not, on a two-year not mission, literally, but he's on a four-year mission. I like for it. of football. Team. I like it. Zach Wilson has 11 total touchdowns, uh, six passing, five rushing, just one pick. By the way, total touchdowns last year he had 14. Oh, in nine games, so he is at a, as we highlighted in the opening block, playing at a different level right now than he has the past couple years. Obviously, being a junior, being healthy, that's all health. Uh My number three game note, I'm going to go away from the stats. No
4: stats here. Uh, dare U- you. UTSA will be playing just their second ever game in the state of Utah.
1: Status two, by the way.
4: Yes, two. Great, <laughs> thanks. Just, you ruined it. I was trying to go stat free. But you said a number. But I wasn't using it in stat form. The Roadrunners' <laughs> first game, in case you were wondering. They've only been around for 10 years in terms yeah. of an FBS team. Uh, the Roadrunners' first game in the state of Utah was back in 2011 when they faced Southern Utah in
1: Cedar City. UTSA was actually in the whack for mm-hmm. a year. Yep. Um, and why did Utah State go 11 2 in 2012? Because they were playing like UTSA in its second year. <laughs> um, that was a crazy BYU Uta- uh, Utah State game. 6 to 3 in that one. No. Okay, n- uh, next one. Neither kicker has missed a field goal or PAT. Hunter Duplessis is 23 of 23. And uh, if I said the French version, it'd be Duplessis, by the way. And Jake Goldroyd is 24 for 24. Both kickers pretty good, man. All right, I'm back to the stats Roadrunners 0 and 5 against ranked FBS teams. I would expect that at this juncture of the program. Think about that. That'd be 1930 for BYU. Very stunk until, what, mid 60s? Finally won a whack title with Virgil Carter. Okay, those are the game notes
0: right now we're tracking cougar opponents presented by byu food to go the mvp of your next event what did everyone on the byu schedule do over the weekend to help or hurt BYU's under the microscope strength of schedule jerem start us off
1: your next opponent is utsa the roadrunners undefeated season is over they were 3-0 uh they lost 21-13 to uab but one. the uab
0: team that's receiving votes now in the ap poll nice the curious and almost unbelievable case of the Houston Cougars hopes to have an actual game this week. Cougars set to kick off their season on Thursday night when they host 2-1 and one Tulane. Houston has seen their five previously scheduled games altered, canceled, or postponed due to COVID-19.
1: We'll be watching that one with interest. Texas State had a bye week coming off a close loss to Boston College. The 1-3 Bobcats play at 1-1 one one Troy Saturday.
0: The Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky earned their first win of the season. 20-17 over Middle Tennessee. Big Red rejoices, we think. Western Kentucky quarterback Tyrell Pigrome at 55 yards, rushing through two touchdowns. The Hilltoppers host 2-0 Marshall on Saturday.
1: Pigrome, that's a fun last name. Mm-hmm. When they're handing out last names, they're like, I would like that one. Boise State and San Diego State were added to the BYU schedule last week. Mountain West released its schedule. Boise State opens the season against Utah State October 24th. The Aztecs host UNLV that day.
0: Clearly, we're rooting for Boise State and San Diego State to win every game,
1: right? I do that with literally everyone but Utah. Mm. I, I'm fine, like that BYU plays. Yeah, if Utah lost and the Niners. Okay. If the Niners and Utes lost every game, I'd be so happy.
0: You had a great weekend,
1: didn't you? Yeah, it was great. Every weekend,
0: Alabama right? <laughs> opens their season with a 28-7 to loss at Liberty. The Lions will next host a Jacksonville State team that gave Florida State a real scare over the weekend.
1: Well, On every, October 17th. Everyone's scared of Florida State. They're not good. Florida State is scared of Florida State. No, Navy's 1-2 after losing 40 to 7 at Air Force at Temple Saturday. Uh Navy stinks. To
0: be fair, they were playing without the starting quarterback and best running back, and they haven't won in Colorado Springs since 2012.
1: I still think Navy stinks. Mediocre I, I, at best, right? I hope they improve. Because that listen, the way BYU plays is the thing you can control. BYU can't control whether the opponent's anymore.
0: The Troy Trojans did not play after their scheduled rivalry game against South Alabama was postponed with COVID risk or complications on the South Alabama side. Troy, as Jerry mentioned just a little bit ago, will face future BYU opponent Texas State this Saturday.
1: And Louisiana Tech, I think you know what happened over the weekend, yeah. but uh, they play 3-1 UTEP on Saturday. UTEP, 3-1. Wow, okay. I'm more of a Texas Western fan, but that's just me. <laughs>
2: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: Man, Heisman hype, national rankings, NFL draft love. Zach Wilson is handling it all right now as the quarterback at BYU. So, how does he stay grounded? We talked with the junior quarterback yesterday on Zoom. Via the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, Zach. Other than more dancing from West Wright, Jason Ayu, and Billy Nixon, what was the best thing you saw during Friday night's win against Louisiana Tech?
5: Yeah, you know, I saw a pretty slow start from us. Honestly, that that we were able to capitalize on uh, later in a couple of drives, and we were able to uh, actually come out and, and make some plays. You know, have some. Some short memory, not starting off pretty good, but then coming out and being able to let it go and, and, and put up some points on those guys. The defense came through and held them too. So uh, just good execution overall.
1: What adjustments did you make after the first quarter when it was tied to put up 21 points?
5: Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say it's anything specific. You know, I would say uh, the guys that, you know, maybe we had a couple of misassignments or. Or I know we had some penalties at the beginning, whatever it was, I just think we, we tried to clean those up. Uh, we saw the same mentality and game plan uh, going in after that first quarter. And so I think we just got a little more uh, sparked energy going.
0: Zach, another wildly uh, incredible performance from you 24 of 26, 92% completion, five total touchdowns. What's made the biggest difference in your personal development and efficiency going from previous years to this year? <clears throat>
5: Yeah, you know, being healthy is is always important. I would say that's probably one of the uh, most confidence-boosting things for myself is just feeling like, you know, I can make any throw on the field now just because of uh, what I went through last year. Um, and then the other part would just be the experience, you know, not just me but the guys around me, the experience we've all you know, acquired over the last couple years of of just playing a lot of football. And, you know, the more you play, the better you're going to get.
1: A couple years ago when Kyle Collinsworth was having a triple-double what seemed like almost every game, we would always ask him, like, did you know you were close? Did you know how many assists you had? Da, da, da. In the middle of that game, and you've already had this with the 18 for 18, did you know that you only had two incompletions most of the time?
5: No, I didn't, honestly. You know, it's not something I necessarily think about in the middle of the game. You know, maybe once you start getting subbed out, people will mention it to you or whatever. But uh, kind of like the bowl game, I had no idea. Um, You know, it was kind of just one of those things. I actually did know that that we probably didn't have many incomplete passes in that game. I didn't know how many, but um, I knew that we were, you know, completing majority of the the throws we were attempting.
1: How would you compare 18 for 18 in the 2018 uh, Idaho Potato Bowl to that performance on Saturday?
5: Yeah, you know, honestly, I look back at both, and and I would honestly probably say that that performance of of just my decision-making, you know, the level of difficulty of throws – Uh, The explosive plays was was probably a lot higher level than the the bowl game. You know, I still had a lot of plays I feel like I I left out there in the Idaho Potato Bowl of uh, maybe things that would have been easier or or better plays for me in that game. And, um, you know, I feel like that experience is just uh, coming for me in in the third year.
0: Zach Zach Wilson with us on BYU Sports Nation. Are you looking to run more? Because you ended up with three rushing touchdowns, and I know we talked a little bit about this uh, when I interviewed you right after the game, but as you've had the weekend, to think about it. Is this something that we should plan on seeing more, or are you wanting to run the ball more?
5: You know, honestly, if if someone told me you can run as much as you want and never get injured, then yeah, I would, I would love to run the ball. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, that's not a possibility. So, honestly, you know, probably not. You know, the coaches have the same uh, mentality that probably, probably don't run me as much as I – um you know honestly we don't need it you know we got some great backs and so i would say uh we had a great scheme as far as running me in this game you know Q- qb draws is a very uh i feel like a safe play for a quarterback the box is very open guys are very spread out you're able to you know make guys miss or slide before getting hit and then um you know if you're doing read zone it's really you're only running if you're catching someone cheating so if someone wants to chase the back then you, you know you'll pull one you'll slide get a couple yards um you know so I really think that's that's probably as far as we'll take it
1: how would you compare your comfort level in terms of the playbook the offense at the line of scrimmage now that you are in your third year as a starter here with the same offensive staff
5: yeah I would say way higher and I, I would say that's you know the repetition there's so many plays that are the exact same from 2018 of of my freshman year and you know we've we've added so many wrinkles and, and things since then and you know, made things a lot more detailed and better, but I would just say the base of what we're doing has been the same for about three years. And so I feel like I have a great grip on uh, just everything we're doing. And, and, you know, it's kind of just uh, it's like second hand, like second nature, it just, it just comes easy to be able to, you know, get a call from the sideline and you know exactly what's going on. Cause you've repped it so many times.
0: Zach Wilson with us on BYU Sports Nation. Zach, because of the way that BYU is winning in the first three games, large margins uh, in the national spotlight, the Cougars have vaulted up to number 15 in both major polls. Is that number 15 ranking more validating or more poison for you?
5: You know, I think you could look at it from both, from both ways. You know, for me, I feel, like, I feel like we're getting that recognition that we deserve. and. You know, at the same time, I'm not going to be sitting here saying, oh, look at us, look how good we are. You know, we're going to, you know, we're a good football team and we need to keep approaching it every single week. And, and we have UTSA this week and this is only our fourth game, you know, so 15th ranking doesn't mean anything. You know, if you, you lose a couple games, you're all of a sudden out of the ranking. So it really means nothing at this point. You know, it's it's really just um, cool to see that people are realizing that we're a good football team, you know, but at the same time, we can't drink that poison and, and, and think that we've arrived.
1: Yeah, the efficiency is the thing that sticks out, and the reason BYU is ranked 15th, right, is the way you guys are playing on both sides of the ball. Special teams has been excellent as well. Uh, Punting, kicking, everything's been awesome. So what is it about the leadership of this group that is making sure that the resistance isn't necessarily the opponent, but it's like the standard you want to play to?
5: Yeah, you know, when you have a group of guys that take it you know, super seriously, whether it's the top 5% of that team, the guys that, you know, really will give anything for this team. Um, when they set a standard, when they're in their third, fourth year, and they set a standard of what is required of this team, you know, you start to get everyone else to follow. Everyone else behind those guys kind of starts to say, hey, unless we do this, you know, we probably shouldn't be on this team, and, and this is what they require from us. And, you know, a lot of the leaders have done a great job of, of setting that standard high of of the expectation here at BYU and that the pass was, was not enough. And I think the guys have been doing a great job of, of taking it seriously and understanding that we have the potential to be very good, and and we just have to give it everything we have.
0: Gunnar Romney and Dax Milne have been, at least numbers wise, your two favorite targets thus far this season. Uh, are they happy, or do they complain that they're not getting the ball enough?
5: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're pumped. I'm sure they're pumped. You know, because we haven't had a a couple super high receiving uh, receivers in a while. So, you know, I'm sure those guys are pumped about it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and you talked with Spencer after the game about it, but Gunner, twice now to the one, he's almost in. He makes that incredible 22-yard catch, almost 23, right? Um, it, and Carter Wheat. And it seems like you, you put the ball in spots where only they could get it. Um, what I guess walk me through the decisions on those plays that ended up being great plays.
5: Yeah, you know, that's the repetition of, of working on on throws like that. You know, as a quarterback – You know, there's going to be times when guys are covered. You know, there's going to be times when guys are in tight coverage, but an accurate ball um, is something that a defense, you know, good defense can't stop. You know, good offense, uh, you know, overrules good defense any day of the week. And so um, when Gunner's got a guy on his hip and and he breaks uh, off of his slant route to the corner of the, the front pylon and the dude's, you know, draped all over him, if I just put a ball nice and high where only Gunner can get it, you know, it's either going out of bounds or Gunner's catching it. So... Um, You know, those are the things that we try and work on. And uh, those are, you know, the things that will probably take us to the next level.
0: Zach, how many more times do you expect to hear about your uh, weekend travels to California during a national broadcast this season?
5: (laughs) I know they need to stop talking about that. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah,
5: They need to find a new story.
1: Well, last week on the Satake (laughs) Show, you gave some great insight to uh, when Greg asked you what you learned the most. You talked about throwing off platform. How often are you using that in a game now?
5: Yeah. It's huge. You know, in, in that situation, the game the throw to gunner, actually I threw off platform, not needing to, you know, it was a, a great pocket by my receipt by uh, my O lineman. And, um, you know, but there is times in games where you do have to throw off platform. You have to be able to, you know, make a throw in, in a tight pocket and, um, you know, I think it's definitely something I actually look forward to. I actually kind of like when the play breaks down and you're able to, to say, "Hey, I worked on this all off season. Like, like this is what I'm I'm waiting for."
1: <laughs> and when you look at uh, Isaac Rex and Carter Wheat on a crossing route, they high fived. I don't know if you saw this on film later. It was on the first drive of the second half. Are, do you advocate for high fives mid-play from the receivers?
5: Yeah, that's what we teach. You know, it's it's part of the scheme. It's part of the details of the play of, of. <laughs> How they set the depth on the on the routes and and how they know when they're hitting a certain mesh point and and then also how they know when they're allowed to turn around and look at the quarterback or keep
1: going. Hmm. So that you've that's actually been practiced. You're saying, yeah, that's actually been practiced. Nice.
0: All right, Zach, we'll finish with this. Uh, how are you handling emotionally the early season conversation surrounding Heisman Trophy talk?
5: Yeah, you know we're three games in and. You know, I wasn't the most loved person last year. You know, I've been I've been down that road. I've been loved. I've been hated. I've been loved, and so, you know, honestly, it's all fake for me. It's all it's all background noise. You know, none of it none of it means anything for me. Um, you know, the goal going into the season, the goal last year, and the goal right now is still the exact same thing for me. And um, you know, I just got to keep a level head, and you know, I'll never let those emotions uh, control me and and what my when I'm a uh, you know trying to achieve here at BYU.
0: Zach, we appreciate you hanging out with this man and uh, know that uh, a lot of people want to talk to you, so we don't take it for granted. Thanks, man.
1: Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Zach Wilson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how.
1: I think he's very dialed in and focused, like he's been on the field, right? Uh, Off the field, still throwing darts, even in this conversation. And uh, in the film room, which will air on the Stake Show tonight and perhaps later this week on BYU as well. He is... Totally dialed in and ready to go in any situation. I think he gets it, too. I, I think he's a kid that's had success before and knows how to deal with it pretty well. Obviously, he acknowledged, like, hey, I wasn't really liked around here. I was throwing picks, and I was injured, and we weren't winning as much. I've gone like, from
0: loved to hated back it. to loved.
1: Like, like, do you drink the poison or not, right? And, and we've been talking about it. Eric Mateos is at the table. Uh, he's trying not to. Kalani's trying to keep this team focused because, again, Brigham Young once said that the Saints would be cursed with riches. Meaning, you have a good thing, but you don't handle it well. So, uh, is BYU being cursed with riches or not? If they stay dialed in and they play good games and continue to win convincingly, then they are focused at the right level.
0: Adversity is coming for
1: BYU football. There will be resistance, absolutely. Everyone has it. Everyone gets it.
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
0: With focus on the rankings, Jerem, it's been more than five years.
2: It's been a minute.
0: We're due for a revamped edition of the BYU Sports Nation Top 5 Non-P5 Power
2: Rankings. It's the Top 5 Non-P5 Power Rankings on BYU Sports Nation. If you look closely, you can see the dust on that
1: piece of audio. Hold on. Clear it off. Hold on. I got a Clear it uh, off. Nintendo game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. BYU hasn't been good enough for us to do this in Start a Start at
0: five, countdown to number one. And at number cinco, the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana. Jerem, ranked number 23 in the polls this week. Okay,
1: they beat Iowa State, who was 23 at the time. Week one, that was a big win. Especially big now because Iowa State, guess what? Beat Oklahoma last week. So that's a good win for Louisiana. We didn't put them higher because we're still kind of... Seeing That's a great win, though.
0: That's okay. a great win. At number four, UCF, shocking loss at home to Tulsa, yeah. drops the Golden Knights.
1: They, I think they're still good. Just because they've lost doesn't mean they should automatically be bounced. I still think if UCF and Louisiana play, UCF's a better team, and UCF should win that game, even if it's at Louisiana. Lost to Tulsa, like you mentioned. ESPN Football Power Index still has UCF 14. Still, despite that. Uh, At Georgia Tech, 28-point win. That was impressive. GT's still figuring it out. Pounded Florida State, but that's what everyone is doing. The P5 version of Middle Tennessee, by the way, is Florida State. Mm. Not a hot take.
0: At number three in our top five non-P5 power rankings of 2020, (laughs) SMU, the only 4-0 college football team in all the land.
1: Yeah, they haven't missed a game, which is good. They're impressive. They can sling it. I watched the uh, Texas State game in week one with them. Yeah, they're pretty good. They I just beat Memphis. I yeah, and that's a nice win. Memphis was the group of five uh, auto bid last year, so still figuring things out. But SMU is good, too. That, that, that would be a fun one if BYU could somehow line up with SMU later. I don't see it, but that'd be fun.
0: Now for the top two. And in at number two, BYU, 3-0. Oh,
1: oh okay. The guys aren't even going to put them number one. No, we think BYU has to do a little bit more to get that top spot. Obviously, what BYU has done has been really, really good. But the number one team we have is Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Bearcats, Reno. That win against Army is kind of the win that gets in there. This is a, a based quite a bit on what happened last year with Cincinnati. That was a tremendous year. They were in the hunt for that group of five access. Didn't get it in a loss to Memphis they late in the year.
0: They a bunch of players from that team.
1: But in the AP poll, they are ranked 11th. So the pollsters believe that Cincinnati is the best group of five team. We agree with that idea. However... One little slip-up, and if B- and if BYU continues to play the way they're playing, I think we'll probably keep BYU n- uh, number two after this week, and it would take a win against Houston and 5-0 and for us to potentially put BYU over Cincinnati should the Bearcats continue to win.
0: You know who doesn't think that uh, Cincinnati is the best uh, non-P5 team? Kirk Herbstreit who has BYU as number six of teams that have played in college football playoff
1: projection. Kirk, what do you want me to shave my head? He explained on a (laughs) a podcast, I think they're real. I know they... Don't get a chance to play a lot of great competition, but they've beaten teams 49-8 by an average. I don't care if you're playing a high school team. If you're blowing people out, you're blowing people out looking good. I've got BYU head of Notre Dame and other teams sitting there at 6. So Herbie has bigger blue goggles than these, which is, which is pretty blue incredible. These alert. are blue these are alert. very, blue very alert. big
2: blue glasses. Alert.
0: To the benefit of BYU, Cincinnati still has to play SMU, Memphis, Houston, UCF, and Temple.
2: Yeah,
1: they're going down. Multiple times. <laughs> but for them, they don't have to go undefeated to go to the New Year's Six. They could probably lose two games. Two? Ooh, I don't know about that. Time for the Cougar Whip Around, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. All right, Jerem.
4: Yes. Will BYU overtake Texas as the number one scoring offense in the country after Saturday? Right now, is at 49. Texas is at 51.
1: Uh, they could. Uh, Texas playing Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma. Uh, Te- I don't know that Texas scores fifty on Oklahoma, although Oklahoma struggled. I think BYU will need fifty plus, and I think they will overtake Texas. Uh, I will say they do not overtake Texas. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on. Look,
4: you. I, look. I just, I don't think BYU is going to need to score fifty points. I just, I just don't.
1: Well, to. Oh, okay. You think Texas numbers will dip? Correct. And, and BYU's will stay high. Okay. After seeing Houston for the first time last night in a 49-31 win over Tulane, are they better or worse than you thought? Well,
4: in the first game, they're better than I thought. I did not expect them to look like they did. Now, I expected them to look like they did when they were turning the ball over and they were down 17 points. That's what I expected with the long delay yeah. first game. Did not expect them to come back and, from that point on dominate.
1: For sure better. 49 points, overcame a 5-0 to zero turnover margin. Are you kidding me? BYU lost the game, by the way, in that situation yep. at Boise State in 2016. Uh, also trailed by 17, still won, put up 49. This uh, return by Marquez Stevenson, kickoff return was a big deal in that game. So, yeah, better for sure. Uh by the way they were the very first team that actually
4: looked similar physically to BYU mm. that they the BYU has played. Sure. Uh LeBron James and your Los Angeles Lakers. Excuse me? Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and put that on you. No thanks. Uh could close out the heat tonight in the NBA finals. This would obviously ramp up the LeBron James versus Michael Jordan are they the goat debates. I'm just the goat. But I'll ask you and you're sure. absolutely right, Michael Jordan is the goat. Uh who is the best BYU goat debate? Yeah,
1: there are a lot of these. I, I think the BYU football Mount Rushmore is a tough one. It's like Lavelle and then like ties on there for sure, and then mm-hmm. it's like who who else? Right? Best BYU quarterback is another fun one, and then Ainge versus Jimmer for best basketball player is a fun. Cover. See, that's the one I immediately went to first when I thought
4: about this is Ainge versus Jimmer. What's your answer there? I, honestly, I think you go long. You go long over the course of his career. It's, it's Ainge. I go Ainge as well. It's Ainge. It's just, but, I, but, love, I love but Jimmer. i the to one Foles year twice. Jimmer is so good that it is so hard to not say Jimmer. Yeah. That's why I love that
1: discussion. Yeah, Elite Eight. That's yes. Sad, right? yes. Uh, this weekend, we have uh, Cougar on Cougar crime and the Dolphins at Niners. <laughs> we'll have more tackles this weekend Kyle Van Noy or Fred Warner? Look, I just assume Fred
4: Warner's just going to have a bunch of tackles every
1: game because he always does. Fred Warner has 33 tackles this year. KVN has 17. KVN's thing isn't volume of tackles. It's I'm going to have the triple combination of uh, (laughs) sack, strip, fumble, and recover it. That's the. What color
6: leather would that be?
1: uh, It would have an engraving on there from a foreign country, probably South America. Okay, okay. Very nice. Ashley, If you know, you know.
4: Ashley Hatch will join the U.S. Women's National Team at yeah. training camp. Is she
1: the best female pro athlete from BYU? That's a great question. I think she's certainly up there. I'm not sure if she's the best, but Alexa Gray is crushing it still in mm-hmm. volleyball. Jennifer Hampson's still playing volleyball, was playing basketball. There's some other notables as well, but, uh, yeah, there's some great female athletes doing great things in pro sports.
4: Yeah, there are, I would say right now, yes. And, and maybe that's just because... Right now, she is playing in the United States, so maybe it's a little more top of mind. But you're not keeping up with uh, <laughs> European or Asian women's volleyball. Uh,
1: I, I am not. Okay. I am not. You know but right
4: what now, I would I would say yes with Ashley Hatch. Yeah,
1: yeah, she's awesome, man. And she again, she has two caps from 2016. So hopefully, she makes a squad plays. That's that's very good. And yesterday, the Cougar Club released this video of Caleb Lohner with the curly blonde hair for the Cougar Club. Did the Cougars sign Hercules? <laughs>
4: Uh, no, they didn't. And I would uh, I would uh, ask that you please never reference that movie again. Why? Uh, it's awesome. Of Disney animation, it's oh. one of their worst. Oh, really? That and Hunchback of Notre Dame are probably their two worst.
1: Oh, get out of here. Dude, Hercules, I Can Go the Distance. That's like one of my favorite songs. It goes, come now, fount," uh, and then I can go the distance, and then ring out uh, wild bells. Yeah, not a fan. That's sorry. That's not true. Just drawing Guster. Anyways, always signed Hercules, they will go undefeated this season. <laughs> If
2: that was good. Okay, that wraps up the whip, man. That is. No. Yeah. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Well, the BYU passing game is in a great spot thanks to a skilled group
1: of players and coaches. One of those is receivers coach Fessy Satake, who discusses the strong start for Gunnar Romney, Dax Milne, and others in this conversation on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. All right, Fessy, I'm sure the plan before the season was, okay, guys, after three games, we want over 1,000 passing yards. That was the plan, right?
7: Of course man just yeah whatever passing yards we have it was over a thousand great but the plan was to be as as efficient as we can in the passing game however many yards those equate to was was to be determined and it happens to be that
1: what's been the key for your group the wide receivers to be so efficient through three games
7: um i, I think a, a huge part is just their experience, and more importantly, the experience around them. You know, I know our offensive line has been getting a lot of um, deserved attention. Zach Wilson has. Uh, When you have an offense that's clicking, there are multiple units. There are multiple individuals who are being featured and and who have success. And so, you know, any guys in my group, you know, part of the reason they're having success is just, everyone's clicking but they're experienced guys you know the, these guys are the who are having success or the, they haven't changed anything about um, their work ethic uh, since they've been here as freshmen um, and they just happen to be gelling with everyone else now and have some experience under the their belt and I think that's a big reason why you know we're seeing them this type of success after um, you know our first three games
1: and sometimes we think okay a guy's a freshman or sophomore all right they got to bring it now sometimes there are spots that occupy the opportunity right so Micah, like Simon, Talon, and Shumway, Levahifa were tremendous last year. Of course, Matt Bushman. Now those three are gone. Matt Bushman has an Achilles tear. And opportunity for Gunnar Romney and Dax Milne and Neil Powell, those are your top three guys. They've done a nice job occupying that space, it seems like.
7: Yeah, that's kind of what it's all about. And, and what I try and prep these guys for is you got you to gotta seize these opportunities when they come. Some guys, it happens as, as, as a freshman. You know, Gunnar and Dax, though they weren't starters, they came in as freshmen and they got – They got more reps than most true freshmen do, Um, and they took advantage of those opportunities. And when their time – they knew when their time was called, whenever it was, whether it was the following year or their junior years to to really step in and take a lot of the load of receptions, they would be ready for it and seize the opportunity. So you're right. I think just a lot of it is being constantly prepared, not changing the way you work. And when those opportunities come, you know, you're, you're, you're more than ready for them.
1: Three straight 100-yard games for Gunnar Romney. I mean, I think we thought he would get to the point where he'd be very good, but three straight hundies is pretty awesome.
7: Yeah, it is. It's something I, w- I wish I would have had in my career, and I'm sure a lot of receivers would have. But um, it's just credit to his hard work, his consistency. It's a credit to all the, the other offensive players around him. You know, Zach staying within the system, the offensive line protecting, our running backs opening up the passing game with how they're running. It's just it's beautiful to see all these things come together, together the way it's been orchestrated, and, and Gunner just happens to be a recipient, you know, of of a, of a lot of people's hard work.
1: And uh, his wideout mate, Dax Milne, with one more catch than Gunner in the catch department, 88 yards per game. Um, he's, he's a guy that perhaps was undervalued out of Bingham out of high school, but a guy that maybe was thinking about Weber State with you. And then how did you convince him to walk on at BYU? And now, three years later, here he is, one of the top receivers.
7: I just I just wanted to make sure that he really – knew that I believed in him that he could come in and and earn a scholarship and you know he was set to go to Weber and and when I made the transition and and uh I, I told him he's gonna have a great home he's gonna have a great career if he goes there but I wanted to make it clear I wasn't gonna pull him away from a scholarship I knew his opportunity I wasn't gonna pull him away if he was just gonna come here and just ride the bench I, I knew the work ethic he had in him I knew the skill set he had in him and you know he's, he's he's just a guy he makes me look good as a coach you know guys like him and Gunner. it's just he comes here he works he does what you know he's done his whole life and what I knew he would and so it's I'm happy to see him having the success he has and and no one's more deserving than him
1: we're talking with Fessy Sitake the wide receivers coach here on BYU Sports Nation Fessy uh, Neil Powell back he's done a nice job those top three are, are pretty obvious on this team but who else is playing well but maybe isn't catching the ball as much or getting targeted but still providing good blocks down the field or good routes
7: yeah. Um, Braden Cosper is a guy who's emerged um, definitely as a solid rotational guy. Um, Keanu Hill, Chris Jackson, Cody Epps. Those are three guys who, you know, has, have had great fall camps, but have had little, you know, injuries and dingers along the way that have have kept them out or bumped them down a little bit, but there's a big group. I have a big group of guys there who are ready at any given time, you know, and last year I rotated a lot more. Um, but, but this year, you know, you, we've seen those three guys take the majority of the reps. As long as they stay consistent um, in doing what they're doing, it's kind of something I foresee happening throughout the season. But I know that there's a, a wave of receivers who are constantly competing right behind them, ready to go at any time they could play. They could emerge as a, as a heavy rotational guy or, you know, we'll see. We take it week by week, but I'm fortunate to have some depth and we got a lot of special young receivers, um, you know, in the making.
1: From your perspective, what is Zach Wilson doing to be so effective in the pass game to your guys?
7: He's staying within within the offense, within the confines of what he's being taught. And you know, Coach Roderick, Roderick has done a great job of keeping things simple. Um, you know, and, and what Coach Roderick and Coach Grimes are doing within our play calling, I think is it's a beautiful thing. You know that they, they they're get not putting too much on his plate. One thing about Zach, he's as, his IQ. He's as brilliant as a quarterback as you'll find. And uh, sometimes that can work against you. And people give you not more than you can handle, but more than they probably should. And uh, Zach can handle anything that you throw at him. But um, I, think, I think what he's done is just trust the system. And he's another one. I'm so happy to just see the success he's having because um, he deserves it.
1: UTSA, the next opponent, uh, tied for first in the country in interceptions so far. What sticks out about their defense?
7: they just got guys play hard, you know, they, they pursue to the ball. Um, they got a lot of guys who, who just fly around and, um, you know, tr- trust the defensive calls that are being made. Um, and so we're excited. We're excited for the challenge. This is a good team, you know, and, and, and we're looking forward to the opportunity, um, you know, to play against this defense, to play against against this team.
1: Okay. Well, good stuff. We appreciate the time. Have fun uh, Saturday. albeit in an empty stadium, but you guys keep bringing the juice. Cool. Appreciate you, Jerem. That was receivers coach Fessy Sitake and the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. You know why we show how. Those receivers have been tremendous to start the
2: season. It's been awesome. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week. Here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Don't drink the poison. It's going to cause all
0: types of harm. Block out the national noise. Just focus on all of the things that you can control one day at a time, one play at a time, one game at a time. Jeremy, I'm starting to wonder this. Why not embrace the hype and national attention if you're BYU football and Zach Wilson and Kalani Satake and everybody involved with the team?
1: Because it will inevitably burn you. No, uh, this is a game that we play, right? A lot of programs seek what BYU has right now. Attention. Relevance, ranking, winning. These are all great things. Uh, in terms of embracing it, I think it's a good question um, because we've talked about as an independent without a conference, you don't have the sort of uh, relevance uh, quantifier that is uh, a conference standings, right? Oh, at least we're playing for the conference title. da da. da. BYU is playing for a national ranking, and that's kind of it, right? Uh, Ten wins, beat your rivals, uh, do your best, I guess. This is good. What's going on right now is good. If you can't handle success, that's maybe why you wouldn't want to. Can BYU handle success? To me, this is not contingent on the fan base or the coaches. It is contingent on the players handling this. Because the best BYU teams have had great internal leaders. I think the leadership of this team is excellent. I think this team has been upset and bugged. If you're a senior, think about what you've endured. You've played a four-win season. A seven-win season and a seven-win season. And now you have three wins. That's like if you're poor, you get some money, do you just blow it right away or are you going to be smart about it? If you're always smart about it, they will will enjoy the moment but still prepare really well. If you can't focus really well and aren't dialed in and you don't prepare well and give an immense effort because now you think you're something, which Zach Wilson told us yesterday on the show, "Uh, 15th ranking doesn't mean anything. We could lose a couple games. We're out. Then that's where the issue is. But – I hope and I think it is my prayer that BYU football can handle this. that can handle this excitement and prepares really well and continues to play well.
0: Here's what assistant head coach Ed Lamb said about handling the hype.
1: It's, uh, it's really just a change in, in obstacles. It's a change of, of challenges. Uh, when a team is is losing or disappointed or or down at any point in the season, the challenge for the coaches becomes um, to to get the, to keep them believing in themselves. And, um, you know, we have the opposite issue right now. I, I think our guys very much believe in themselves, and, and we have to do a great job of making sure that our guys understand that every team is good, every team is capable of beating the Cougars.
0: I think that's very well said. It's just a different type of hurdle. And recently, particularly in the Kalani Satake era, It has been overcoming the idea of, man, we just keep losing. What are we doing wrong? We can't catch a break. There are so many injuries. It's just things just aren't bouncing our way. Now this is the exact opposite, but as Coach Lamb pointed out, it's it's just a different type of hurdle. So, yeah, the dynamic changes, but the distraction is going to be there one way or another, whether it's ultra-negative or ultra-positive. It's about leadership from the coaches and – to your point, leadership from the players on the field. And right now, BYU has experienced leadership in terms of the players on the field. That matters a lot.
1: The le- the, that leadership has to decide to lead. Because I, think about it. When you're young, uh, older people yelling what you should do at you doesn't always work. You have to decide to do it. So I, I think BYU will Brigham Young football, 3-0, ranked 15th. Life's good, right? Take it in. Fill up that tall glass of hype, early accomplishment, and praise. Enjoy it. But it's just the beginning. So, Jason, do you believe BYU will go undefeated this season?
4: Jerem, my friend, yes, I do. I do think they are I'm going undefeated. By the
1: Look, here's the thing. The
4: only game that gives me pause is the Boise State game. Mm. And it's not because I don't think BYU can beat them. I absolutely think BYU can beat them it's because it's on the road and we as we know this is a very heavy home schedule for for BYU the updated 2020 schedule wasn't supposed to be that way but BYU has far more home games than road games so it is one of the road games and it's a place that BYU has never won and i understand for a lot of people on the team that doesn't that doesn't uh, mean anything because they weren't part of all the other games It does
1: the, there there are, years some, ago. there are
4: some there are some but what i'm saying is it's a road game BYU's never won up there, and quite honestly, it could very well be the very first game where BYU actually has an opponent that can deliver a punch back. Mm. I know some may look at the Houston game and say, right now, I don't think Houston will be a cakewalk, but I am not as concerned about the Red Cougars as maybe some others are. I'm not buying into them taking the leap that a lot of other people thought they would take from last year's season to this, and especially when you throw in the fact that, their first game is going to be tonight. First game of the year is tonight. So they'll have it's one game before BYU. I expect BYU to be undefeated going into that Boise game on November 7th. Well, if they leave Boise with a win, which I think they will, they will go undefeated
1: this year. Yeah, that, at least in the regular season, right? We'll, we'll see what happens in a, in a bowl game at that point. I hope so. The way BYU is playing leads one to believe that it's legitimately awesome for BYU right now. Obviously, the schedule is a little lesser. Some of these teams have been good. La Tech won 10 games last year. Troy uh, struggled last year, 5-7, and seven, but had won 10-plus in the previous three uh, seasons. And, of course, Navy finished ranked. So these teams probably aren't as good as they were last year. But ESPN's Football Power Index, went out percentage, validates the idea that BYU can do this. Second-best Uh, Went out percentage uh, next to Ohio State, 33%. There are two reasons for this idea. One is the schedule, no power fives on it. Three teams that can really challenge BYU, as you mentioned, Houston potentially, San Diego State, uh, Boise State before that. And of course, the way BYU's played 148 to 24 in the margin, top offense and defense by yards, top five in points, points allowed, and efficiency on both sides of the ball. This is about as good as it gets. The way BYU's playing, the notoriety BYU's getting, I don't know that there's much more mountain to climb for BYU in terms of attention. Obviously, getting to a New Year Six and winning a New Year Six game would be the most attention BYU could get. Uh, but again, BYU will have resistance. Where is it going to come? We discussed this yesterday. You mentioned Boise State. I agree with you. I, I, don't, I think BYU is going to beat Houston, and we're going to go, oh, that was easier than we thought originally. Um, and then Boise State is going to be the massive resistance. Will BYU have resistance in a different game that we don't see? Because this happens to a lot of teams. Clemson lost to NC State like two or three years ago. They didn't go into that season or game going, yep, this is the game where the resistance happened. We're going to lose. You never know. But uh,
4: don't you think that the, the scenario you're talking about possibly playing out, don't you think that there's been opportunities in the first three games for that to happen, and they have more than exceeded expectations with y- that and yes. not allowing sure.
1: it to happen? Yes, but we're looking ahead No, That happened. We're look- yeah, we're looking at what might happen in the future. So if BYU doesn't win by 28. There's going to be some level of disappointment. Oh, there's no question. That
4: that level has been set
1: in terms of optimism. And whose fault is this? It's BYU footballs. They're they're playing too well. (laughs) (laughs) But there's no such thing. Just play as well as you can, right? It's hard to go undefeated. Ask, uh, I don't know, Gifford Nielsen, Mark Wilson, Jim McMahon, Steve Young, Ty Detmer, everybody else besides Robbie Bosco and the 84 team. It's really, really hard to go undefeated. Granted, this schedule is the easiest, best setup for BYU to go undefeated perhaps ever. And yet, in a pandemic, BYU had to rebuild the schedule. It's lended itself to, as you mentioned, seven home games of the 11 scheduled, although there are three road games in the mix now. We'll see about Army. Army doesn't want to play the game. They would have rescheduled it by now. It ain't happening. I don't think Army's going to happen. I, I don't
4: think it's happening At either. At this point.
1: But do, do we believe BYU is going, going to go undefeated? I hope so. I, there's a good chance. I, th- I think it is very probable This team 33% probably.
4: This team with this schedule, and again, BYU has no control of the schedule. We know what the schedule looked like. BYU did the best that it possibly could to get games on the schedule. All BYU can do is go out there and perform, and they have performed
1: beautifully. And and we don't know that BYU won't add more. There is still obviously opportunities to do that. November 14th. November 28th, December 5th. BYU still has three open weeks. And, uh, you know, BYU could add two games. BYU could add two games. So, we'll see. The love continues to pour in for Zach Wilson, this time from ESPN Play-By-Play. Play. Anish Shroff, who's calling the BYU game tomorrow. Yesterday, he tweeted the following. The more tape you watch of BYU football, the more impressive it gets. Quarterback Zach Wilson has master-level command of the offense and is making... Uh, difficult throws look easy. Sound crazy, but he's taking the same leap from 2019 to 20 that, wait for it, Joe Burrow took from 2018 to 2019. Go Tigers. Is this crazy, Jason? (laughs) Uh,
4: No, it is not crazy because you have to understand why he made the comparison. No, he was not saying that Zach Wilson is going to win the Heisman. No, he was not saying that Zach Wilson is going to be the number one overall pick in the National Football League. It's about the statistic. It's it's about the statistical jump Mm. from one year to the next, from from not being on the radar one year to this level to being – Very much on the radar, the next level. That's what the comparison is all about. So let's do a little comparison here. Let's look at Joe Burrow first, just very quickly. Joe Burrow's final two seasons, 2018-2019. 2019, 2019 obviously, is Heisman year. They win the national championship. Uh, Number one pick in the draft. And the number one pick in the draft. So Joe Burrow... In 2018 to 2019, his increase, and I'm just looking at passing statistics right here. He increased his passing yardage by almost 2,700 yards. That's unbelievable. He went from 28,94 to 56,71. And here's the biggest jump. 16 touchdowns in 2018 to 60 touchdowns in 2019.
1: Right. And, and we're seeing the total touchdown difference. 65 to 23. Like, it's, like it's, he can run too.
4: It, well, and the, and the completion percentage went from 58 to 76. I mean it's it's unbelievable. Yes. So you then look at what Zach Wilson has done through three games, just just the first three games. And different competition. Yes, different competition, but in twenty nineteen versus twenty twenty. Ironically enough, Zach in both years, this year and last year, the three games has completed sixty passes. Exactly sixty. Well, there you go. But it's sixty. Of ninety-five in twenty nineteen. This year it's sixty of seventy one. So the completion percentage has gone up in the first three games from fifty three point two to eighty four and a half.
1: His this, touchdowns this, these are the most numbers we've ever presented in the two
4: through six. It's, but what you're seeing you're seeing a significant number yes. increase Amen. and efficiency increase, very much like you saw in Joe Burrow.
1: Okay, yeah, if the argument is his rate of improvement, not that he's going to be the Heisman national champ, number one pick, then yes, because Zach Wilson is not going to win the Heisman or be the number one pick or win a national championship. What BYU can do is go undefeated and be in the New Year's Six, and Zach could be a late first round at best, if probably second, third, maybe fourth round pick. That's the peak to me. The, uh, yeah, the reaction is, Wow, you said Joe Burrow! What Joe Burrow did last year, was unbelievable. It, it may not be topped again. It, it, like, he won everything that mattered, and his stats were stupid. He had 60 touchdowns and 6 picks. Just like insane. Almost 5,700 yards of offense. Like If Ty Detmer and BYU had gone undefeated in 90, and Ty was uh, 6-2 instead of 5-10, that would have been Joe Burrow you know, you know, that year. You know what I mean? So I, I, I want to do some numbers analysis as well. Let's look at just the differences in the rate of improvement for Joe Burrow from 18 to 19, and then Zach Wilson in 19 to the limited three games, 20. Let's just look at those numbers, okay? And then look at what Zach has done in those. Again, I I realize there's some differences here. Zach Wilson has a 4% better completion improvement from the second year. Yards per attempt, 2.8, better than the improvement of Joe Burrow, and then efficiency is plus uh, 22. So, again, those are the differences on the differences. The point is this, that Zach Wilson, what Zach Wilson's doing is stupid. It's stupid (laughs) awesome. And, again, a few things in. Three games for Zach Wilson so far. always played Navy, Troy, and La Tech. And we compared all of Joe's season last year. How many many good teams did Joe Burrow play? I dare say great teams, very good teams. He played seven teams in the top ten and put up those numbers. It wasn't Conference USA, Sun Belt, America, whatever. It was the SEC and it was the playoff and it was insane. It was just crazy. He, he went through Oklahoma and Clemson to te- cap it off and still was throwing, what, six uh, touchdown passes to the national title game or something? What Zach has done is, is extremely notable. Um, this is sweet tasting information, <laughs> is it not? Doesn't it, it taste good? Look, at some point. It, everybody's, it got everybody's attention yesterday. At some point in the conversation, I'm saying all the rhetoric around Zach. At some point in the conversation with Zach, it's all sweet tasting. Do you get to the point where you like too much sugar sometimes? Like, no. You, like, stop you've, it. You've, no. You, at some point in the night, you're like, okay, i got to stop it at some point. You is say all, that, and this. then you go get more sugar. At, at some point, it's too sweet, and here's what happens. And I, I'm not saying don't enjoy it. I'm saying enjoy it. At some point, all of a sudden, oh, he threw a pick. He's off the radar. Sorry, you're done. Like, that's what's going to happen. Just mark it down later. It may not be this week. It might be in a couple weeks. Whatever. Just enjoy this wild laugh. Hopefully Zach continues to play at a really high level. This high of a level, that's going to be hard to see.
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Last season, Baylor and Gunnar Romney became the first
1: brother duo to combine on a passing touchdown. In BYU history, they've been throwing and catching since they were kids. And as this week's Deep Blue tells us, that happened down in Mexico, El Paso, and Arizona, and continues in Provo. This is Deep Blue presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help.
8: He still denies it to this day, but he pushed me off my bike and I broke my arm. That was my first bone that I broke. He pushed me off a wall, you know, landed on a brick, cut that open pretty good. You know, just tons of little stories like that, that he's always just been, you know, just that that older brother, that sibling rivalry. I
9: like to consider myself as more of on the safe side of things, always planning ahead, always thinking out situations. Gunner's a little more impulsive, heat of the moment kind of guy. He always thinks that I'm boring and lame and stuff.
10: My name is Cade Romney. I'm Baylor and Gunner and Tate and Remy's dad. I'm from Colonia Juarez, Mexico, down in the Mormon colonies. I was born down there, uh, raised down there most of my life. Uh, after I got married, moved back down there to go into business with my dad, work with my dad in uh, farming business. So, Gunner and Baylor, I mean, they're, when they were growing little kids, they just ran around all around here No shirt, no shoes. Just kind of running around on four-wheelers and bikes. Helping my dad on the farm sometimes. Really, yeah, just that
9: small-town feel. you uh, have a you know, small group of friends that you can be friends with just because there's not a lot of kids there. When I mean, you do everything together, play sports, you know, mess around, just do your thing with them.
8: Right before high school, my family decided to move to El Paso, Texas. It was a huge adjustment coming from a small farming community in Mexico to going to a big city in the US. But I loved it. I, I wanted to do it my whole life. That move really blessed all of
9: our siblings' life, you know. We all were blessed with so many more opportunities, sports wise, education wise, just even socially. And I think that helped all of us get out of our comfort zones and really push ourselves to grow. I mean, especially in sports to, to be able to have that opportunity to play high school football and to get recruited. I mean i think it's a cool thing that we recruited gunner he was a big time recruit we had some competition with him but his desire to be here at byu and to represent byu he's had family members that have been here and then to have his brother make the decision to walk on here on his mission to be with his brother you can see the the closeness that they have i think since since Gunner got to byu we've been uh, working out together and throwing like three, four times a week during the off season, And it's just nice to always have someone to text when you want to get some work in. Or even when you don't want to, you got someone that, that makes you. And that's just kind of how it's always been.
1: He will, under center, wide receiver, bubble
4: screen inside!
8: You know, me and Baylor we've been throwing passes like that in the backyard since
9: since we could both walk. All the routes that we've run, the hours and hours and hours that we spent working with
8: each other. And I mean that's what it was for. It just kind of all added up and, and all that hard work paid off.
7: That play was one that several guys had practiced and we were felt good about just whoever was in the game at that moment doing it. Yeah, it just sort of worked out that way. We give those guys a hard time. We call it buddy ball, you know, Baylor always finds his brother and say, quit playing buddy ball. So. He, he likes, to,
9: likes to throw to his brother, but for good reason. They, they do a lot
0: of work together. Yeah.
10: Gunner, for whatever reason, he has some kind of a phobia against uh, saying I love you or maybe he really doesn't love us. I, I don't know. You know. I sent him a text the other day when, just after the Navy game saying, hey, good game, proud of you, love you. And I sent that both to Baylor and Gunner. Baylor writes back, love you too, Dad. Thanks, appreciate it. Gunner writes back with just a thumbs up by the comment that I made. So it's hard to get some expression out of Gunner sometimes. Baylor will let you know how he feels, and it, you know he doesn't have a problem saying that. But Gunner's a little tougher to squeeze that out of.
9: My last birthday party, uh, we were just over at Gunner's house with some football guys and some of my friends, and... uh. <laughs> Everyone was saying, I love you, Baylor, I love you, Baylor, and then everybody stopped and said, "Gunner, you have to say that you love Baylor right now, and we all waited, we all waited. He said, <laughs> after a, a few long, long minutes, he said, I love you, Baylor, and <laughs> I'll never forget that because, you know, it's, we don't really show affection and, you know, emotion, feeling towards each other, but deep down, we love each other, we want the best for each other, and, you know, we care about how each other are at the end of the
8: day, so, Gunner. I-, I love you, man. <laughs> so, Baylor, he's just always been such a good role model in my life, just someone that that's always been there for me and someone that I know is going to be there for me in the future no matter what I'm going through, no matter what he's going through. And so for that, I just want to say I love you, Baylor.
1: That one
8: didn't even feel weird. Nah, see, <laughs> he's not here, that's why. <laughs>
1: The Romneys. Hilarious, right? Uh, a Personal note, I mentioned it. My family grew up in the Mormon colonies. Uh, my mom's side of the family. Mom lived there until she was 14. Grandparents there. You saw the Juarez Steak Academy. My great-grandpa taught there. So that, that was a really personal one for me to see these guys from this small farming community who, yeah, they had to move to really get recruited to El Paso and then eventually uh, for Baylor, and then then Gunner was in Chandler. But uh, these guys are making plays. It's weird that kids from the Mormon colonies are playing for BYU football. Like, this is two worlds for me colliding, and they've been awesome, Gunner especially
4: this year. Gunner has been fantastic, and I keep going back to before the season started, he said his goal is to be the number
1: one receiver. Boy has he delivered on that. He has been fantastic. 3 straight 100-yard games. I I don't know that I expected any boy receiver to have three period. And he's had three in the first 3 games.
4: And he is that true down the field receiver, stretching the field, those Deep balls. Yep. It's just fantastic. He top, has been
1: phenomenal. Gunner Romney's top five in uh, receiving yards and yards per catch in the country, which is pretty cool. And the Baylor's been really efficient when he's come in in garbage time as well right now. And he's getting a lot of run. BYU's so good that Baylor Romney's getting a ton of run. And uh, he's, he's ready to rock.
0: It's time to review how we did with our prop picks for the BYU Louisiana Tech game on Friday night. Yeah. Heading into the matchup. Three-way tie, seven points apiece. It is not that way now. Up first,
1: with Jason, by the way, there are two of us. Correct, someone else.
0: We asked, who will have the greater margin of victory tonight? BYU or the Los Angeles Lakers? This
1: was an easy one, man. Yes, BYU was going to slay, and the Lakers were going to win. But little did we know, oh, Bama out a bayou and Goran Dragic out.
0: Were the Lakers o- going to? Were they going to win by more than t- the line of twenty-four?
1: No. So you and I said Brigham, Jason said okay. the Lakers. We got it. Okay, uh, more penalties against BYU or Neil Powell receptions. Five pens for 60, uh, 50 like yards. That was a lot. That was a lot. For given, a home game with no fans. Given three. It, well, it's not all about false starts, right? Uh, Pau four receptions, six yards. So, see, and I thought if, more I penalties. said
0: on Friday if Neil has four catches, then I should be safe.
1: Well, BYU wasn't going to maintain that penalty or lack thereof pace. It was three and two games, which is just dumb.
0: <laughs> Five for fifty-three holding penalties.
1: Yeah. I was like, someone hit somebody. Eric get it Ma- get it on sportsman like this is way too clean.
0: Eric Mateos publicly apologized to Lopini Catoa for his offensive line holding on every big Lopini Catoa play.
1: Y factor <laughs> pick, right? Was that who yes. you picked? Yes. <laughs> yes, nice.
0: Will BYU be plus or minus in a turnover battle? plus plus two. First time this season.
1: Okay. Yeah, uh. Jason and I said plus. You said even. You shot your shot. Yeah. Uh, Louisiana Tech, by the way, had the FBS high streak of 19 consecutive games with the takeaway. They didn't have one. Didn't
0: happen. That's why I went even. I'm like, oh, they're probably going to have one, and BYU well, should have at least Zach one. Zach
1: Wilson tried to give them one on the fourth down, which, by the way, we all were like, whoa, the Kenny Stabler fumble Ruski rule? Fourth down, you can't. You can't fumble it and have someone else recover. Gunner Romney runs in. Everyone's like touchdown! Nope, the ball was dead. Once Zach didn't recover it. You
0: can't fumble it forward on fourth. But
1: it wasn't a takeaway because BYU recovered, obviously with Gunner. Okay, more BYU punts or Cougars with 100 yards rushing or receiving. There were two punts, but there was only one player with 100 plus. It was close. That it was Gunner 101. Tyler Algier had 93. Dax Mill had 89. Was BYU was close to having three. Oof. So we we all said punts. <laughs> we got it.
0: All right. Fifth one. More Kavika Fanua tackles or <laughs> rush attempts. We both got this one wrong, Jeremy. We both thought he would rush the ball more than he would have tackles.
1: He didn't really come in. It was Miles Davis. It's Miles, Miles Davis. Davis now. He's Miles the guy. Davis brought in his trumpet and he was blaring his way to some garbage yards.
0: Miles Davis is the guy that's going to run the ball. He's the late garbage in
1: the game. Uh, time guy. Which, by the way, everyone knows you're getting the ball. That's so hard. That's so hard. Yes. Everyone knows Miles Davis is coming down.
0: I think Kavika's <laughs> opportunities to run the ball are coming to a close because yeah. Sione Finau yeah. is almost back for yes, BYU.
1: It's been two or three weeks since I said two or three weeks. And he could have played a couple weeks ago had they needed him, by the way.
0: Okay, Jerem. After a successful weekend, uh three of the five. Wait, are you did you get three of five or four of five? I got four of five. Four of five, five yeah. Jerem.
1: Oh darn. Zach Wilson, me. guys. You lead the
0: way with 11 points, Jason at 10, and uh, like you said, I shot my shot and whiffed. You went for it. Yeah.
1: I I appreciate
2: the hustle. I'm, I'm in at nine. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Our next guest
1: is the analyst on the broadcast tomorrow, UTSA, BYU. He's also the ESPN National Recruiting Director. You've seen him on the sidelines. He's in the booth. He's all over the place. And this season in a pandemic, he's calling games from home, but he's still bringing it. His name is Tom Luganbill. Tom, thanks for being on the program.
6: You you bet, guys. I really appreciate you having me. Looking forward to this one Saturday.
1: We wish you were in person, but obviously it's different at home. So what's it like calling games from home this season? It is
6: unique to say the least, that's probably the best way I could put it. You know so much with broadcasting games on site is about the atmosphere and it's about the energy and the enthusiasm and the you know the face to face interaction and particularly with my role the last seven years being an analyst on the field and being able to supplement the broadcast with a different vantage point than the guys in the booth. now you remove all of that you know, and it just kind of becomes. This very sterile environment. You know, I joke that we, we broadcast out of a broom closet now. And so uh, <laughs> you're doing everything off of different different cameras and different monitors. Um, obviously, there's challenges that come with that, but it is what it is. And, uh, and it's just kind of the, the week-to-week deal that you kind of grind through and you figure out ways to work around it.
4: Tom, let's start with a, a little bit of a broad question. What have been your overall impressions of BYU through the three games, and just how good do you think they are?
6: Guys, I got to be honest with you, I, I think they're really, really good. And, and I understand that, you know, you, you look at the opponents, you say, okay, well, have they played anybody that's any good? The reality is that they probably haven't played, you know, a, a really good or a great team, but they haven't played down to the level of competition either. They've gone out and played to their own standard, and they've played at a very high, very consistent level. And I think one thing that they've established is they've got tremendous depth on this football team. When you consider how the offensive lines had to be rearranged, the running back room has been affected. Defensively, they've had some issues that they've had to contend with, and it's been next man up without any drop-off in and uh, in production. And, you know, I've seen Memphis this year. I've seen SMU. I'm actually going to see Cincinnati uh, the following week. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about the, the group of five team. And is this maybe one of those years where if somebody runs the table, there's a great opportunity as it relates to the college football playoff or, you know, the, the new year six from what I've seen on film, BYU is superior to those teams I've already seen that have, you know, uh, you know, come into the season with some preseason hype. And so we'll see how it plays out. Uh, the, the level of play they're playing at, if they can continue to sustain that, they're going to be very, very difficult
1: to beat. Yeah, and if they sustain that, woof, that's another level, right? How much of it is how BYU's played, like you mentioned, they haven't played down to the competition, but also that BYU's taken advantage of There's not Pac-12 and Big Ten games being played to occupy the attention, so feels like BYU's filled that a little bit. To what do you credit BYU's meteoric rise here from zero AP poll votes four polls ago to fifteenth?
6: Well, the quarterback's playing unconscious right now, so I think that uh, you know he's finally healthy. Um, You can see that he's confident, he's poised, probably more comfortable than he's ever been as, as the leader of this offense and. I think when you start throwing out some of these numbers, you know, same amount of touchdowns as you have in completions, um, the explosive plays, some of the throws that just look really, really difficult that he makes look easy, Um, all of that stuff starts getting out there. And and what's going to happen, and you referenced it, you're 100% right. There are viewing windows now that are going to be occupied in that noon or 3.30 Eastern window where they're either going to be on ESPN or ESPN2 that you generally, a BYU or a Memphis or a Cincinnati is not going to have that opportunity. So now the more of the country sees you and sees what you're made of and, and you know, what you're capable of. It's, it's interesting, too, because, you know, I, I grew up, my dad was a head coach of San Diego State from 1989 to 1993, and you guys might be a little young for that, but there were some epic clashes <laughs> between San Diego State and BYU during, during that five-year period. And my dad and I were actually talking the other day, and he said, you know what, man? He goes, that BYU team looks a lot like the teams in the early 90s. And he was really referencing the front. I think, obviously, Zach is a much better athlete than Ty Detmer ever was, but Zach's probably a much better natural natural passer as well as an overall prospect. But I started kind of thinking back, and, and my dad and I were talking about it, and it's so true that the dominance up front, the physicality, And then the Supreme quarterback play, I can see some of those similarities.
1: Was the 1991 BYU-San Diego State game the craziest game you've ever seen? 52-52.
6: Well, I was on the sideline for that one. And my (laughs) response to that question is – my response to that question, I can tell you right now, it's the middle of the third quarter. It's 45-17, and that game is over. And um, really changed the course of my dad's career. I mean, it it really did. They – not having that WAC championship at that time, and um, you know, two of the best teams in the West Coast at the group of five. Well, it wasn't the group of five then, but they were clearly the premier teams on the West Coast at that time. My answer to that question is, if there's anybody that ever doubted why Ty Detmer won the Heisman Trophy, just go watch the second half of San Diego State-BYU in 1991.
1: Yeah, that was, that was a crazy
4: one. Tom, let's go back to Zach Wilson. Uh, yesterday on Twitter, your broadcast partner, Anish Shroff, compared Zach Wilson's season from last year to this year, his his jump in terms of performance from last year to this year to Joe Burrow and what Joe did at LSU yeah. in 2018 to 2019. What do you make of that comparison?
6: Well, I like it. We've talked about it. We're going to incorporate it into our broadcast. I think I see a lot of similarities In terms of style of play, now I'm not saying he's this guy because I said this on College Football Live this week and everybody's blowing me up about it. But when you look at Zach Wilson and the way he's able to get rid of the football and the different arm angles and how he can throw off balance and he can throw across his body, reminds me an awful lot of some of the things that Patrick Mahomes can do physically where you just, it doesn't always have to be perfect. All right? You can make some of those off-balance throws and still be accurate. I think the Joe Burrow comparison is unique and interesting because, not to say that Zach wasn't uh, you know a, a really good player a year ago, but you could kind of just get the sense he wasn't always in sync. He, he was a little bit streaky at times, and it was the exact same way for Joe Burrow the year previous to the year he had. Now I don't know if Zach's going to throw sixty touchdowns, but the the rise of getting the right people around you, a coordinator really starting in in, in Jeff Grimes to kind of know, okay, like, these are the buttons to press. Here's the strengths. Here's the weaknesses. How do we accentuate them? How do we hide those? And it's very similar to what took place at LSU with Joe Burrow under Joe Brady, when he came in to, to work with that offense. And you just saw a confidence level in a um, almost a quiet swagger where, I bet if Zach Wilson, and I'm probably dooming him here, stopped to think for two seconds about the performances they've had in the first three weeks, it would probably screw him all up. You know, he needs to just forget everything, block out all the clutter, and just keep going because the guy's playing out of his mind, and that's exactly what Joe Burrow did a year ago.
1: Yeah, we did a little uh, film room with him and broke down a couple of plays from that. He he could be a TV analyst one day. He he knows what's going on. He's worked with Tom House's right. crew and John Beck. And well, what's interesting too is obviously the right labrum tear that he fought through last preseason and then midseason yeah. the the thumb tear, uh, the thumb uh, broken. He's actually playing with the torn labrum in his left shoulder. He's not going to get it fixed. He's just it's just whatever. It's the off shoulder. So this dude's a tough cookie. Now he's a junior. Now he's healthy. BYU has taken advantage of a pandemic schedule, just getting who they could. And now we've now we've seen Houston, yeah. UTSA, obviously a thirty-five point dog tomorrow. But will that be BYU's first resistance in your opinion next Friday against Houston?
6: I don't know. Um, you know, I, obviously Houston has its own set of problems with what they've gone through over the last month and. You now you're playing against a team that's already had a lot of live game reps and you didn't have many, um, you know, didn't have any coming into the game. I still think they're probably scratching off some of the rust. I, this UTSA team, I know the, 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 the betting line, but they're really athletic. Um, they're a team that would worry me, uh, just because listen, if their quarterback doesn't get hurt last week on the first play of the game, if you watch that game, they probably would would have beaten UAB, and UAB is a good football team. So I don't want to get – I don't think that BYU is smart enough not to get ahead of these guys, but um, they know a lot more about UTSA than anybody knows about Houston right now because there's such a limited sample size. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out a week from now.
4: Tom, besides Zach Wilson, who else has caught your eye on this BYU team? Who who are you looking to uh, maybe pay attention to coming up uh, during the broadcast tomorrow?
6: Well, I think the nose guard is a real problem. You know, he's, he's so disruptive and it's not just as a zero technique anchor at the point of attack, occupy double teams type of guy. He's an upfield disruptor. I think that they've become so, so much better uh, along their defensive front in terms of rushing the pass or even when it's only three down. And then this batty kid just comes out of nowhere and um, (laughs) is, is all over the place, you know, as a pass rusher. So, he looks like a new shiny toy under the, under the tree. And so I, I'm expecting to see more of him this week. And you know, it's interesting. The, the two running backs, I don't think anybody's ever going to accuse them of being these dynamic home run threat guys. But if you watch the run game and you watch their style of run, everything is downhill. Everything is North and South. There's no dancing. There's no, there's no wasted energy and wasted motion, so you're always going to be falling forward and I think that l- that kind of lends to the, the physical nature of their front and I was um, going back and forth with coach Grimes this week, and first thing I said to him, I said, "You guys are simplicity made to look complex. I said, with all your formations, all of your shifts, all of your motions, so far I've counted you have four run plays, four <laughs> <laughs> I said, and, and and uh, and I said, and your passing concepts all come off, to some degree, all come off of those four-run plays. And a lot of that is is tied to his time with Gus Malzahn at Auburn. Um, you know, there, there doesn't have to be a lot of subs. you don't have to go out there and rep 15, 20 different plays. It's not enough time. Make it about window dressing and rep the same plays over and over and over again. That stood out to me as well in watching them the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, that simplicity has uh, led itself to success so far for BYU. Well, we look forward to the broadcast tomorrow on ESPN2. Tom, thanks for taking the time. Great to chat with you.
6: You bet, guys. I appreciate it. Looking forward to this one.
1: Tom Loganbill on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. You know why? We show how. Great stuff from Tom. We haven't had him on the show for the first time. We've watched him for years on ESPN Crush It. He does a lot of recruiting stuff as well. Um, so great stuff from Tom. Yeah, he
4: was fantastic. Uh, if you don't mind, I would prefer we just end the show right now. Uh, the Pat Mah- Zach Wilson Mahomes was just things. compared to Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. I'd like to end on a high note if we may.
1: I, listen, <laughs> I don't, there's not a lot more room on the mountain to go up. I oh, love Zach. it. I'm, I love it. I'm serious. Like, I love the, it. The rhetoric, once you get to this point, you only come down. So that's the danger. So, it, But enjoy it.
2: Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Using the hashtag BYUSN, the best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is
1: the best of BYU Sports Nation. Let's go inside the film room. This is fun with Zach Wilson presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. All right, Zach, the second best completion percentage in BYU history, 92.3%, career-high five touchdowns. What were you most proud of against Louisiana Tech?
5: No, just the overall execution of the team. I feel like the guys came out. They did what we were supposed to do. Uh, The O-line held their own. The defense got stops, and and the receivers made some big-time plays.
1: And it started on the first drive, and let's walk through this in the film room. Dax Milne, 39-yard throw. This is back shoulder. The the ball's (laughs) in the air quite a bit here. Yeah, you know, this is a, this is
5: probably one of the further back, back shoulder throws I've had. Uh, we tried to take a shot here on the first, uh, drive and, and we had Dax running, uh, actually like a, a stutter is what we kind of call it. Trying to get the, the double move on the corner, trying to get him the bite. Corner wasn't a bail technique. He was, he was bailing on the, on the route. Um, you know, once I started rolling out, going through my progression, I had the route coming across the field and then the flat to Um, I noticed as I was rolling out that the corner was stacked on top of Dax and then also had his eyes on Dax and not on me. And so I figured, you know, if I just throw a ball that's, you know, underthrown and I, I throw Dax back, Dax can see the ball. Dax will come back and make a play. And, you know, he did a great job finding the ball in the air and coming back and getting it. And, you know, we, we moved the ball all the way down to the 10 yard line. So. That was a big uh, momentum shift right there and Dax did a great job being able to come back and get it
1: Gunnar Romney you throw this one to him it looks like he scores the touchdown initially they then say it's at the one but 22 yards he makes a heck of a play and uh, you had to dance around in the pocket in this one
5: yeah so we had a uh, we had a little concept to the field right there Gunnar was isolated on the backside with a you know just a slant route just for any pressure or anything nothing crazy and um, you know, I went through my full progression of the field. Everything was covered and you know, my sixth sense as a quarterback, you know, you, you initially feel like you have a uh, backside pressure. So I spun, I spun right there thinking I had someone behind me. Brady did a great job picking up the free safety fire on the backside. And, um, you know, initially when I turned, I saw Gunner just running towards the front pylon. The DB was right there, but his back was again, turned. He couldn't see where the ball was coming because he was looking at Gunner trying to, trying to get back on, on the route. And I figured if I just put a ball nice and high, Gunner can go up and make a play on it. And he did a great job coming down with the catch.
1: Gunner Romney has a touchdown catch. Uh, maybe could have had two, but he at least had the one. 22 yards. This was part of a 37 second drive, which was just incredible. Someone tweeted Zach Wilson drove 10 hours on weekends so he could drive 37 seconds on the field. <laughs> and Gunner yeah, makes the, the catch and, and uh, finishes that drive.
5: Yeah, so on this play, we have. Gunner running a, a fade or a clear or a go, whatever you would call it. You know, we have Neil, who is probably our first our first look at this or the the tight end coming underneath. You know, it's a high-low play. And, uh, the biggest issue with throwing a deep sail route to to someone like Neil is, is a corner falling off. And so, you know, I really just told myself if that corner wants to jam Gunner and let him go at all, I'm going to throw that ball right off of his back. And so the second I saw the corner, you know, let Gunner go and start to fall off into the flat, I saw the safety couldn't get there on time. And I just knew if I could you know, get enough juice on that ball. I could sneak it in between the safety and corner and, and gun it and be able to score.
1: You had three rushing touchdowns as well. I want to highlight one of them really reminded me of the USC touchdown. That was the go ahead in regulation. And uh, from 14 yards out, uh, your third rushing touchdown.
5: Yeah. So this one, you know, we spread them out. We we saw on film that, you know, they like to you know have a lot of guys outside of the box to try and stop the pass in this empty, uh, empty set. They actually blitz the will backer from the boundary on this one, which, you know, actually indicates that I'm supposed to throw the ball to Lopini Katoa, where I uh, replaced the blitz. I actually saw a hole open up in the A or B gap to my left side. I was able to, you know, sneak through before the wheel backer was able to come. The O line or Joe Tukwathu right here did a great job of opening up. Um, even Chandon Herring did a great job setting and, and letting me sneak through right there as well. And, you know, once you get to that point, it's really just trying to, trying to make a play to get into the end zone.
1: Perhaps people didn't notice, but that's because Joe did his job. The backup center, Joe Tukuwafu, as you mentioned, played for James Empey. How did he perform? Yeah, he did
5: a great job. You know, he came in with poise. He came in with uh, energy, and that guy was just excited to play. He's been working for that moment, and, you know, I was just proud of how he came out.
1: Well, 3-0, trying to make it 4-0 against UTSA. What do you think of the Roadrunners on your initial look?
5: Yeah, good, tough team. You know, they're physical, and, you know, they're going to come out to try and uh, try and get after us. You know, that's the... That was always our favorite, favorite thing, being the underdog and an opponent, is, is no one expects you to come out and, and, and win and put up points and, and do big things. And so, you know, they're coming out with just energy, and uh, they're excited for this opportunity.
1: Well, Zach, you can break down a play as well as anybody. Nice work, and thanks for joining me in the film room. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Incredible detail, right? I mean, so much insight, and I think we all knew this, but Zach Wilson is smarter than you and I. He just is. I mean, that was awesome.
0: He's a football junkie. We've experienced this when he was looking back at the Tennessee game with us over mm-hmm. the summer. It's like, okay, he needs to do this all the time.
1: Yeah, and USC was incredible as well. He's He has a future in this if he wants to go at one in
2: Outstanding. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All right, each week we like to uh, take a crack at some prop
1: picks. These are unique takes on the game, this or that. Let's bring in Ben Bagley, the producer of BYU Sports Nation, the voice, and to uh, get our prop picks and updated standings. I'm up 11, Jason's 10, Spencer is 9.
2: Is that why Spencer's not here today? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, let's start here with number one. We saw what happened last week with Zach Wilson, so I'm going to ask the question this week. More Zach Wilson rushing or passing TDs
4: tomorrow? Yeah, last week he had three rushing, two passing. Yep. Uh, I'm going
1: to say he goes more passing TDs. I'm going to have what you're having. And so will Spencer.
2: Spencer will also All have the passing, helping at that. Boring.
1: All right.
2: right, number two. Which team will play more QBs in the game, BYU? Or UTSA, which played like 13 last week.
1: This is a great one because they've played four already.
4: Well, there's only a chance of three of them playing because one of them was injured and is done for the year. Yes, on like the very first series. So it's three versus three versus three. uh, Look, you want to take this one first?
1: I think UTSA will. Yeah, I, BYU's going to play two. That's what we'd think, right? Yes, yeah. Romney and Garveston.
4: Yep, uh, I'm I'm going uh, with UTSA as well. I think they'll play uh, three. So will Spencer.
1: We all have the same drink order. Very nice.
2: <laughs> Don't sleep on soldier, That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Number three, BYU or UTSA, which team will have the better red zone TD conversion percentage? Both of them. Killing it thus far on the season. BYU. UTSA, 95% so far on the season.
1: On TD or overall red zone? That's
2: overall red zone, but they've scored 11 of 18, 18, 19 trips inside the red zone or TDs.
4: Pretty good. I almost went with UTSA on this one. Yeah. Because I thought BYU would have more opportunities in the red zone. One for one. Yeah, see, but I'm going to say BYU. I'm saying BYU. (sighs)
1: saying BYU as well. So Spencer.
2: Ball rate! we got to have some difference oh, here. That's oh. This is the Just last wait. Prop Just wait. Prop
1: so This is the way it's going to go. Yeah.
2: All right. Number four, over under one fourth quarter Zach Wilson pass attempt which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. <laughs> Thus far this season, Zach Wilson has not thrown a fourth quarter pass attempt
1: yet. <laughs> that's crazy. Also, is this the first time that You've done the stat of the day. That was it great. Is. I I've thrown that. to it
2: before, it was the first time I've read it.
1: We had a fly yesterday. We have you doing it. This. this is great. Yeah. Okay, Will Zach Wilson throw a fourth quarter pass? What do you think? Uh,
4: I am going to say over. I'm going to say that yes, he will have more than one fourth quarter pass. Oh, so he has to have two? Is that what we're saying? Yes. So I'm I'm saying over. Now some of this is strategy. Over, okay, to be yeah, yeah. different.
1: Push would be one. Yes, right.
4: but I'm I'm going to say that he'll have two. Okay. Yeah, for some reason, like maybe the drive, maybe the drive, the, the end of the third quarter, BYU's driving. They're gonna, they want to have him finish the series. Yeah,
1: there we go. That's my kind of my scenario. I'm, I'm saying under. I think at this point the game's over and BYU's going. No, 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 no. We need Zach for Houston. Like no risk here. Okay, well, and, I am being different. Spencer's so I said, should get points for at least trying. You're very different. That much is for sure. Uh, Spencer is under. Okay, Spencer's under. Okay, last
2: one. We finally got a different one. All right, last one more. Tyler Batty, a.k.a. shiny new toy. great. More, more Tyler Batty sacks or INTs by the BYU defense tomorrow.
1: That's a good one. So Tyler Batty has four sacks in three games. He didn't have any in the first game. He had one in the second. He had three yes. against La Tech. I go sacks. I think Tyler Batty brings it. I don't think UTSA is going to chuck it a ton. I think they're going to run with Sincere McCormick a lot. Uh, I am going to go with INTs. I'm going to say INTs. And Spencer says push, so the same number. So if Tyler Batty has like zero push, and BYU by has eight it's aggressive, I'll tell you that. Spencer's pretty conservative generally. This is an aggressive move. I kind of like it. Okay, that is prop picks.
2: Thank you, Ben. Really appreciate that. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast Every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.